0: Welcome to Soundboard, a Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway and & Sons and for the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is Steinway artist Ramsey Lewis, who is a Grammy Award winner and NEA Jazz Master. Lewis celebrates his 85th birthday on May 30th with the launch of the Saturday Salon, A recurring streaming concert on the last Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Central Time. Visit RamseyLewis.com to learn more. Lewis spoke to me on Zoom. How's your corona treating you?
1: Well, I'm I'm going, when corona comes this way, I go the opposite way. (laughs) But seriously, um, I stay inside. Yes, sir. My wife goes out for walks, but but I, I don't even go out for a walk. You know, I'm 85 years old. I don't want to take a chance. So <laughs> it's given me an opportunity, though, to practice. I practice, man, practice. I'm pulling out some Bach, some Beethoven, some Chopin, Duke Ellington, etc. Back to basics. Exactly. And I'm loving it. Well, I've always liked to practice anyway. So this just gives me an opportunity to do what I
0: love. Well, hey, you, you talking about practice? Let's talk about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. When you sit down to practice, where do you start?
1: Scales and arpeggios.
0: Okay. I play
1: the scales and all the keys. Uh-huh. And I put the metronome on, always with a metronome. <laughs> and I put the metronome on, and I play the scales and all the keys. And then I play arpeggios and all the keys with a metronome. And then I go to some Bach or some Chopin or whatever. To, because, you know, as time goes on, you tend to get lazy. And your fifth finger, and your fourth finger, they say, oh, I don't want to play. Use your thumb. You, you know, let those other fingers play. Okay. So you, you got to make sure that all five fingers on both hands yeah. stay in the game. And, and to do that, sometimes you have to pull out some, some books to say, okay, let's do this.
0: I'm a little more than half your age, but I had a 45 when I was a kid of Hang On Sloopy Uh by the Ramsey Lewis Trio, and that was my entree into Ramsey Lewis. Really? I want to tell you about it because, to me, it reveals something about your music. I want to see if you agree. You reclaimed that song for the vibrations with this cover, I feel. And whereas theirs was more doo-wop, your version the Ramsey Lewis Trio's version, it didn't so much swing as it grooved. I mean, it really grooved to where I want to nod my head when I hear it. I want to tap my foot when I hear it. Not swing and snap, but nod and tap, (laughs) you know?
1: Didn't record that song because we were in the car with a friend, some friends, Bob Holmes and Edwina Holmes, and that song came on. I think the McCoys would, would did it or something. that's right. I had done the In Crowd, of course. Yeah. And Edwina said, "Ramsey, you could do that," and I'm like, uh, "I don't think so." So I at rehearsal, a couple of times we tried it, and then we tried it once in performance. And people started patting their feet and smiling and laughing. So that's how Hang On Sloopy got into our repertoire.
0: (laughs) To me, that groove is always in your music. Like I'm thinking of your cover of Delilah's song, which I know from the, the Clifford Brown version. Yeah. And that really gets in a groove. I feel like you're in your element when you can play over an obligato or when you can play over a loop. That's that's some some prime Ramsey Lewis in my book. agree with me? Is that something that you always look
1: to? That probably stemmed from the years that I played for our church choir, because there was the verse, and then there was the chorus, but usually in the chorus is when it was a gospel choir, of course African American, and in the chorus people would start moving and grooving, and if they didn't start moving and grooving, it was is it it a problem. So, uh-huh. We learned, at least I learned, by watching my dad, who was the conductor, the director of the gospel choir, in in the rehearsals and such, that the whole idea was to move people. And if it's a slow song, you move them through their heart. If it's a song with tempo, you move them through their heart, but through their feet also, and whether they're tapping or whether they're up
0: dancing or moving their shoulders or whatever. You got to move them. (laughs) The in crowd, that was kind of your breakout, and that happened early. What was it that launched that hit?
1: Well, it was by chance, actually. We had already gotten the songs together for that album. The three previous albums, we had started putting what we call fun songs on. I can't remember. Something You've Got was on one before that, and I forgot what the other ones were. So on this album, we had problems coming up with a so-called fun song. We had the other nine or 10 or whatever. And we were sitting in this coffee shop and we're, we were in Washington, D.C. And the waitress who knew us from coming in there, because we used to play Washington twice a year back in those days, what are you guys doing? We're trying to find this, this one more song. We need this song. And she says, well, what kind of song? And we told her. And she said, well, have you heard The In Crowd by Dolby Great? Well, L.D. and Red, they had heard it. They said, oh, that's a good one. She said, "Well, it's on the jukebox." Well, get this—that's when jukeboxes were in coffee shops. Hello, that's before your time. <laughs> anyway, she went over to the jukebox and she played Dolby Gray's "I'm In With the And I said, "Perfect." I mean, it's just something we want to throw in the album and, you know, something. I mean, I didn't have any idea that it was going to be the song in the album that would actually sell the album.
0: After The In Crowd, you've passed through a lot of different genres, different combinations, different ensembles. You've gone symphonic, you've plugged in and you've unplugged again. <laughs> what have you learned so far? on this journey ah well
1: i've learned never to close your mind and your ears to what could be or what can be i've learned that you should never settle for what you think is success is i don't mean success in money i mean success in performance success in your ability to play your instrument is there some combination of instruments is there some direction you can go to sweeten your experience of course, you can't do it now because of the bugs out there. But through the years, I found that playing with the Turtle Island Stream Quartet and playing with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and playing with the, the Joffrey Ballet, thanks to Wells Kaufman, who encouraged me to do those things. Besides playing jazz with big bands, and it just keeps my basic piano playing fresh because it's back to the keyboards. I had gotten into practicing anyway, because the first piano teacher I had, Ernestine Bruce, she was into practicing. But the second piano teacher I had, Dorothy Mendelssohn, she was like, did you practice an hour or two hours or an hour and a half before you got into Bach and Beethoven and this? Is it an hour on scales? Yes, scales and visuals. I just enjoy all of that now. Some people that play instruments look at practicing scales and arpeggios and such as a hardship. I don't. I know that that supports what I really want to
0: do. I'm glad that you said that because it's really just like any sport. If you warm up half an hour before a basketball game, as every pro team does, yeah, suddenly you're going to be hitting those threes and making those layups. But if you show up cold and just say, okay, let's play, Get your best five. Let's play. (laughs) Exactly. By the time you're warmed up, ball game's over, baby.
1: But You know, you raise a good example because the guys that really make a mark, whether they make a name or not, are the guys who come in during the week when there's not a game and they go in the gym by themselves and they shoot 50 or 100 free throws or they run around the gym. And that's kind of the thing I do on the piano when when there's not a concert or something I still want to keep my chops, as we call them in shape
0: that's where those beautiful Ramsey Lewis cadenzas come from yeah I hear them
1: I hear them (laughs) thank you
0: So many terrific covers of pop songs and of even things like Carmen, where I see that and it's like, oh boy, I'm not sure, (laughs) not sure about this one, and then I'm hooked. what? I'd like to hear about how do you approach arranging something that's already a hit and not yours? When when you sit down, what do you do and what are the priorities for making that song your own, for staying true to it? I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but tell me about that process.
1: Well, the first thing is, if you like the song, you got to like the song because it's the song. You might like that particular arrangement that you heard first because that's what drew you to the song. But you got to be honest with yourself and say, well, I can't play their arrangement, but I like the song.
0: Got to bring something new to the table, right?
1: Got to bring something new to the table. And that's what jazz has been about. If you remember, you're not nearly old enough. But back in the day, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson, they took Cole Porter, George Gershwin, they took those composers and that was those songs that they used to improvise on, besides the basic blues in any temple. Let's play blues in B flat like this. Let's play blues in F like this. So, you know, it's always looking for different ways to utilize your technique and talent.
0: You did that. To great effect, I apologize, I'm not going to remember the name of the album, but where you took some tracks from the Beatles' White Album and infused them with even more Psychedelica. Yeah, but you want know, to um, know something? Tell me. I almost didn't do
1: that album. Charles okay. Stepney, who was a staff producer for Chess Producing and Argo Records and all, and he, he produced records for Minnie Ripperton and others and others, and he, he produced some records for me. He saw me down at the studio one day in the offices. He says, Ramsey, this is the Beatles' White Album. And I'm like, okay. And I looked at it. I, he opened it up and said, "Here's the songs. And I said, okay. He, he could tell. He says, take it home and listen to it. I took the it was LPs, 12, two 12-inch LPs in the White Album.
0: Sure.
1: And, um, I took, Did <laughs> you
0: get the glossy photographs? In yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. For
1: yeah. inspiration? Right, 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 right. So I took him home and I listened to him. I said, Stephanie, yeah, you know, all yeah, all right. He said, Ramsey, would you just trust me on this? one? Can you just trust me? And I knew him so well that I said, okay, but if it doesn't work, I'm going to punch you in your nose. Well, he came up with these arrangements, Julia and other songs, and they were so beautiful. I said, man, if you were a woman, I'd kiss you. And my crowd, I mean, my audience, the people, not only Julia, but there were a couple other songs, they would
0: say, Ramsey, play this, or wherever we went, Ramsey, play it. It was off of that white album. So if the Fab Four weren't your guys back then, who were the innovators? You mentioned a few, Charlie Parker, Oscar Peterson. Who was it that really helped expand your mind as far as, oh, there are some possibilities here I, I hadn't even considered?
1: Well, before we leave the Fab Four, it was the early Fab Four. I want to hold your hand. That I was like, but if you noticed in their career, as they moved on, there was meat on their bones, if you will. The songs got to be more and more. Sure. And so 67 and beyond. Yeah, there you go. And so then I became part of their fans, if you will. start with Art Tatum my dad played Art Tatum for me and I said um who are those two guys that's right Art and Tatum yep and he said no one guy so after I got up off the floor I started listening to Oscar Peterson I liked Bud Powell but I, I he wasn't romantic enough for me Night Train's
0: one of my favorite albums the Oscar Peterson
1: trio indeed indeed yes indeed Well, I became a big fan of Oscar Peterson, got to know Oscar Peterson. There was one other piano player, oh, Earl Garner. The piano players who not only could swing, but who had some uh, romanticism about them, in love with the music, in love with life. Many piano players back in those days, look, Ma, 20 fingers, you know, look, look, wow, whoa. That didn't impress me. It's the people who made the piano reach out and touch other people that I was impressed with. And, and that that's why Oscar Peterson was one of the first ones, because although he had technique to spare, I mean, he had technique for six or seven other piano players, but he was a romanticist, and I liked his playing. And I, I have all of our Tatum's records now. I mean, I'm old enough now not to faint when I hear him play. So, <laughs> I suggest that any, any piano player, young or whatever, that wants to hear possibilities on the piano, and it's only one guy, pick up some Art Tatum. <laughs>
0: You want to tell me about this salon that you're doing, this monthly yeah. salon? I'm so glad that you asked. My wife handed me
1: this. She says, I don't want you to forget the, per- the particulars. <laughs> yes, sir. And thank yes, you for sir. asking. Of course. The last Saturday of every month from 1 o'clock.
0: Starting at the end of this month.
1: Exactly. The last Saturday of uh, every month, starting this month. You can purchase tickets at RamseyLewis.com. On the main page is a link to stage it. Every Saturday, 1 p.m., RamseyLewis.com. And my wife said, I don't trust you. I'm writing this out for you.
0: (laughs) Tell me what it is, Ramsey. What are people going to hear when they tune in for your monthly salon?
1: Well, they're going to hear me play solo piano, but also I'm going to talk a bit about not only that music, but about my life and about music in general and about some of my experiences. Not so much that they don't get a lot of music, but hopefully I'll throw in enough gab in between the songs to make it interesting. And hopefully I'll play some of the songs that they love and recognize.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for speaking with me. No, thank you. I really appreciate
1: it. Thank you for for allowing me to enter your life at this moment.
0: You be safe, and I will watch you safely from my laptop. Until we meet again, hopefully in real life. Thanks again, bye-bye. been listening to soundboard the steinway and sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship check out ramsey lewis's saturday salon a recurring streaming concert the last saturday of every month at 1 p.m central time visit ramseylewis.com to learn more we heard clips from doby gray performing the in crowd on ktel records and art tatum performing tiger rag on columbia We heard a clip from Ramsey Lewis performing Julia on Cadet Records. And we heard clips from the Ramsey Lewis Trio performing Hang On Sloopy, Live at the Lighthouse, and Carmen on Chess Records, and Delilah on Jazz Classics. Our intro music is Philip Glass's Matt Rush performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Our outro music is The End Crowd, performed by the Ramsey Lewis Trio questions for the podcast message me on facebook at soundboard or hit me on the gram at soundboard podcast thank you for listening